I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to Going Offsides, presented by the Lacrosse Collective on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. So, Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks guys for having me. Really excited. Yeah, so we've been highlighting different um, brands in the industry, you know, the lacrosse industry specifically. And we definitely wanted to get ECD on. Uh, Greg is the co-founder and president of ECD, aka East Coast Dives, if if you're not familiar. And uh, Greg, people refer to you quite often as ECD Greg. Yeah. Is that yeah, something that's come just based off of social media or, or what's going on with that? Yeah, I don't know where, I guess that's just what people started calling me because that's what my Instagram handle is. And I don't recall when I made that personal Instagram. I can't imagine that I made up ECD Greg. So I think it's just something <laughs> people are saying in the comments. I was like, well, that's what people are saying. That's what I'll put my Instagram handle as now if I'm like out on the field filming, somebody sees me, mm-hmm. they yell across the field like, oh, ECD Greg. Uh, there are, you know, there's other Gregs. There's, I think right. Greg Gremlian might be, um, you know, an equally notable or more notable lacrosse Greg. So it's good to have some differentiation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's nice to have your entire brand attached to your name, I guess. That's not a bad thing. Makes it easy, you know, not a lot of creativity necessary there. hundred <laughs> um, percent. So I remember back when you guys started, I don't know what year that was, but you were primarily a mesh company, right? A string, like a stringing supply company at first. Yeah. Well, initially in 2011, it started as um, solely a service company, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't make any products. We just had dying and stringing services. Um, and then uh, while we were, while we were doing that, we, it was me, while I was doing that, um, had in the back of my mind, the development of a mesh product. And so uh, we did launch mesh products, many of them now at this point um, over the course of 10 years. And for I think through 2014 or 15. So for three or four years, we only sold mesh Um, and then shafts came next and then heads after that. So that was the order things went in. Okay. And was it always kind of your dream to build out like in stages like this to the point where you're a major player in the industry instead of, you know, were you happy just being, you know, a mesh company for a while? Yeah, I don't, I mean, the business was never the plan at all, right? It was going to be a summer bridge job, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to going back to being a busboy while I was taking schools at graduate, um, you know, graduate level classes for accounting. And then um, once I had my master's and passed CPA exam, I was planning on going into public accounting, um, ideally. And so that was still the plan for a long time until it just sort of flipped over where it was so busy that um, having a day job in accounting was no longer a viable option and had to go full-time. And even for a while, it was, um, you know, there wasn't big picture planning, right? We were just uh, running and gunning day by day. I, for a long time, I was still, my day job was making the mesh. You know, I would mm-hmm. like post on social media from my phone while I was making the mesh, um, actually physically making the product. And that continued. Um, I was still actually making mesh, dyeing mesh straight into 2014 and even a little bit to 2015. Um, and so now we have, you know, it's a different organization now than it was then, but right. um, that was kind of how it looked. That's wild. And we're, so what's, what's your background? What's your connection to lacrosse in general for those that don't know? Uh, I grew up in the Baltimore area. I have a twin brother, Mike, who I started the business with, and we started playing when we were five in, in mm-hmm. Baltimore. Um, it's a common sport to start when you're that young with soft sticks. 
my dad had played a little bit in high school and college and he taught us how to play as we grew up, coached us. Um, so we played uh, a number of sports. Mike played, we played water polo, wrestled, played football, um, basketball, a little bit of everything growing up. But by the time we were sophomores and juniors in high school, it was just lacrosse. Um, and then we went off and played division three uh, together, which was a lot of fun and graduated uh, from there in 2011. That's when I started. Okay. And so what gave you the idea to, all right, I'm, you know, some people make up their idea for their company because of a need, like while they're playing. So for you, you, you came up with this idea pretty more, you implemented it after graduation, right? So what, what kind of sparked this whole, you know, this whole process? Yeah, I think that being players, uh, we were able to identify that need. I mean, I strung most of the sticks for the guys in college. And so I would see the wear and tear they would endure during the course of a season. Um, our senior season, we weren't allowed to use our turf. So we practiced on like a really soggy grass field, which mm -hmm. did extra damage on our pockets for that year and really made it evident to me that there needed to be more of a focus on the pocket. And I think that everybody then knew that the pocket was the most important part of the lacrosse stick, mm -hmm. but it was the least focused on by the majority of lacrosse companies that were inventing heads and handles and gloves. Um, but nobody was working on a well-strung, you know, off the shelf stick. Nobody was working on high performance mesh. Um, there was a little bit out there, but mm -hmm. nothing was great. And so I think there was this big unlock where deciding that the pocket was a product that needed to be focused on just as much as the head, if not more. Yeah. And I've been, I've been involved in the game about as long as you have, I think we're actually the same age. So it still blows my mind. I, I could barely string my stick when I was little and I got better and better at it. But even to this day, I just follow Lars Keel on, on Twitter sometimes. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> all of these things are so important to stringing a stick. I just, I'd be the guy that grab it off the shelf, loosen, loosen the sidewall strings a little bit, loosen the bottom string and I'm good to go. Yeah. Like I never put any thought into it as a player, but now like there's a lot, there's a lot more to it. What kind of hold do you want? What kind of release you want? I mean, I just growing up in the Midwest, we didn't have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. So I just took what I could get, but yeah, the it's, it's crazy how important this stuff is to everything. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things that play there. Um, number one is social media, right? When I was in middle school and high school, I was tinkering with pockets, stringing my own, messing around with new stuff, but I was sort of in my own silo where I couldn't receive or share information about what I was doing with anyone else. And then, um, in my senior year of college, I discovered the, um, a forum that was about stringing. And so that allowed all these people from all over the country to share ideas. And that made innovation go much more quickly and then became YouTube and Instagram where information can be shared in a split second. Right. So ideas are exchanging and getting morphed. And that's why you have much more advanced stringing techniques than you did um, 10 years ago. And honestly, higher pocket performance. A lot. I hate my least favorite saying in the world is it's the wizard, not the wand. Because mm -hmm. it's true to a certain extent, but in lacrosse, the stick and the pocket specifically are extremely important to performance, especially when you're learning the game. And it's very realistic for a bad pocket to hold a player's development back or a player's performance back. So I have tried to dispel that myth and, and emphasize yeah. that I'm not trying to sell you something. Like, I don't care mm -hmm. if you buy my mesh or string my pockets, you should have a good pocket. You shouldn't feel like um, you should be able to play with any stick in the world, no matter what junk pocket is struggle with. I think it's just crazy. It's funny you say that too, because I was poking fun at one of my uh, eighth grade students yesterday. And I said, it's always the uh, the arrow, never the archer, right? Mm -hmm. And he didn't really understand what I was talking about. I was like, it's never your fault. It's always the equipment's fault. But 
like you said, that that's true to some extent. I mean, if you don't have the right tools, you can't do the job well, but you know, I just think it's hilarious that you brought that up. Um, so you, you move from mesh. Well, actually, let me ask you a question. What was your first kind of, you know, the first brand name head stick, like that was your go-to setup when you were like younger, you're like maybe the first one that you can still remember, I guess. Yeah. Well, my first stick was an STX Sonic. Um, and it was came factory strong with traditional mm -hmm. still then, which was cool. Um, I remember very vividly the release of the Evo, mm -hmm. the release of the Blade. These were all things that I like went straight to Lax World in Kenilworth Mall by my house to go buy where, right when they released. Um, I, I, there was nothing that like I really loved when I was in college. I used a couple things, but that, I was in college for that 2010 rule transition, which was a okay. huge thing. Um, but I was always a pretty big warrior guy using Evo X in college and, and then after college. And then after college, I was switched to the Nike Lakota. Okay. I used for a long time, made a lot of videos about, uh, I think helped make it popular. So um, that was the last head I used before we made our own. Gotcha. Yeah, I was, this is going way back. I won an evolution. And so I became a warrior guy like that just because I had won ahead. And then I remember seeing a print ad for Rocket Pocket mm -hmm. back in the day. And I ordered one immediately. And I, I loved that thing until I used it in the rain once because I didn't mm -hmm. know any better. And then all of a sudden my Rocket Pocket wasn't good anymore, but it was so beautiful. And it was, and then I transitioned to, you know, Evo X and the clutch for a while. I really loved the clutch. Taking face offs was pretty easy with that. And, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. I've, I've always been a warrior guy as well, but I had the guys that used like the gate heads back in the day, the, the um, the wizard and stuff like that. So it's kind of wild, the development that's happened over the years. So what made you go from, you know, shafts aren't, you know, it's not exactly rocket science, I would say, you know, the same thing, you know, you're mixing materials, you're, you're, you're changing up the branding and everything like that. But what made you make that bigger jump from not from mesh to shaft, but then adding the heads in? Cause I think that takes a lot, a lot to go into heads. Yeah. Well, for shafts, our big innovation, like you said, like a shaft is the shape it is. So our big innovation, there was the price point, bringing carbon okay. fiber to the hundred dollar 30 inch price point. And then the heads, um, the big change there was the uh, expiration of the offset patent held by Warrior Brine um, for 25 years, patents last 25 years, it went off patent. And that opened the door for a lot of people to make a good head. You look at a Maverick before that happened mm -hmm. and they were sort of unable to make a competitive head because they weren't licensing the offset patent and, and really couldn't compete. Um, and so we, we made our first head, the Mirage, which I would describe as a good head, right? We, there's a lot to learn mm -hmm. when you design your first head and it wasn't perfect, but a lot of people liked it. Um, and I really liked it because it was our first head. And we ended up having a lot of success in the MLL with pros mm -hmm. and, and tons of people still use that head. But you look at us compared to, a, you know, an SDX who had, I don't know, a 25, 30, 40 year head start designing mm -hmm. heads. Like there was a lot to learn in that first head. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so what kind, I mean, I remember it used to be, I remember it probably in high school at Switch Trevor, it used to be a one-year warranty and then everybody moved to a six-month warranty. Is that kind of industry standard now as like a six-month warranty? Yeah, our warranty is six months. A okay. couple people have a year. There's even mm -hmm. somebody out there with an unlimited warranty. Mm -hmm. um, I think six months is fair. It gives you at least a season or a season in a summer right. um, to make sure that you get, get it in. But it's a tough sport on plastic heads, especially in the cold. Um, 
And we, you know, we made, we try to make it as easy as possible for people. I remember sending my heads back in for warranty in college and you just sort of like mailed it to this address. Mm-hmm. And hopefully one day a head shows back up in your <laughs> mail, but there was like no communication. So we do a really good job with customer service. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a tough sport. You look at hockey, they've taken their warranty down to like 30 or 60 days. Yeah. The sticks yeah. are more expensive than lacrosse sticks are. So it's at least better than that. Well, I think six months is fair. I mean, if there's a defect in the plastic or in the manufacturing process, it'll show up most likely in the first, you know, month or two, probably. But mm-hmm. by six months, it's something that, you know, something catastrophic happened. You know, some guy came down and just smashed your stick. Yeah, or... just that right hit mm-hmm. for that cold day, you know. Perfect, perfect. So what's kind of in the pipeline? You know, not not to say any any secrets or anything like that, but you know, kind of where, what's next for, for the brand and for the company? Yeah. Well, we just released the Mirage two, two weeks ago, which was the 2.0 version of that first head. Mm-hmm. So kind of a chance to go back to it and say like, knowing what we know now, how we made this different. I think it's uh, feedback's been really good. Um, for us, our focus is doing, I always say do very few things and do them really well. And that allows us to compete with larger, more legacy brands because mm-hmm. we're not spreading our focus. Right. Uh, right. So we're only making head shafts and mesh and have added on women's to that, but the same technology carries over. Um, so we're going to continue to innovate in the carbon fiber space. Um, you'll see iterations on our current line of shafts, uh, carbon and carbon pro, as well as some additions of some new ones. Um, you'll see us roll at least one head out in 2021. Okay. Um, it's no secret that we're working on a goalie head because it's been highly requested. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple of things we've got on the burner right now. Okay. And it looks like, you know, from the looks of all of your pros, at least on the male side, they're really heavy into the PLL. Is that a coincidence or is that something that you've kind of targeted? Yeah. Um, when we, we had a two-year deal with them and Mm -hmm. we sort of looked at, um, who their roster was going to be and who we could get signed with that would be interesting. And so Connor Fields was a really interesting one. He, you know, it's not often you have a tour time winner with no contract um, because he had gotten hurt and had surgery. I think he fell through the cracks. So we were able to um, come in for that first PL season and sign Connor Fields, which was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a, a bunch of other guys, Costa Bill Perkovic. Like we, Miles, right. we have a really good pro roster. Yeah, I agree. I was looking at it. I was like, oh, I was going to ask about Costabile, but then I saw the rest of the roster and I'm like, he's great and all, but some of these other guys are also legends. So, so maybe you can shed a little bit of light on that. Cause I think it's unlike other sports where things are very well known about what happens behind the scenes. You know, it's easy to find out what happens in basketball or football, but lacrosse is still kind of this, this dead space of if you're not like in the industry, like yourself, the average consumer has no idea how some of this stuff works. So mm-hmm. a pro sponsorship without giving specific numbers or details, what is that kind of, what does it look like on your end? And then on the player's end, is it, you know, you look at golfers that are sponsored, they have a truck that follows them around to tournament to tournament. So it, it varies by sport, but maybe you can shed a little light on what that looks like in the lacrosse world. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll pick somebody we're interested in, start negotiating. So if you're looking at like just strictly the contract, mm-hmm. um, it's usually two or three years. Um, there's some cash element, there's some product credit element, um, and then maybe like, you know, a content element. So one thing mm-hmm. that we try and focus on is uh, providing content for them. So we'll 
edit their PLL highlights, um, shoot video with them, training video locally if they're around. So it's important for lacrosse guys, since there's not a lot being talked about in mainstream media, for them to promote themselves on Instagram so we can be a content generator and a contract driver for them. Um, and then for us, we'll be looking to make like weapon of choice videos, highlights, tutorials, um, you know, all the normal stuff that we like to do with our pros, probably being commercials. We did the Mirage 2 commercial with Costa Deal. We did the Hero 2 commercial with um, Jones and the Hero 3 commercial with Fercaro. So a lot of times, and the DNA commercial with Connor Fields, a lot of times we'll sign an athlete around a specific product release. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's different than how a lot of, if you look at the NBA, like a Nike, right a lot of their stuff isn't product driven. It's brand driven, right? You're going to see LeBron James in the newest Nike ad, not the newest um, shoe ad, specific not shoe, the newest shoe yeah. ad. Brand commercial. So we use our pros a lot for specific product launches. Okay. And with the, you know, the upcoming goalie head, then I'm sure you've got some guys that you're looking at for a sponsored goalie. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll have to find somebody. I don't have anybody off the top of my head yet. Currently working with an organization called Goalie Smith. Okay. Um, probably the biggest goalie training organization in the country, trains some of the best kids. And they're helping us with their network get the product right. And I think once we've done okay. that, we'll be ready to go out to professional players. I mean, Scott Rogers is local. Right. Um, you know, there's a, really, there's a lot of really great goalies. So I think that'll be a fun process and fun to see our head on the field. Do you involve your pros a lot like i know for instance true and john grant jr right like they're they're like this they work together very closely on products is there someone or is it common for your athletes to be a little bit involved in the development or is it more of a hey try this out let me know what you do and you don't like yeah we've got um, a multi-stage product development process um, that includes an early phase of gathering information so we'll we'll take them and sit them down and say like what, what do you like what do you dislike what do you want what don't you want um, and then we try and polish it internally as much as possible if it's a head for example and then once it looks pretty good we'll call it 75 percent there we'll take a 3d print we'll bring them in uh, string it up have them you can shoot with it and uh, we'll play with it a little bit and then have like an in-depth feedback session but our advantage is when it comes to men's field heads, we know what we're doing, right? We all played. And so it's much easier for us to determine whether a head is good or not. Unlike a face-off head where we had to have extensive feedback from Greg Gremlin and his network. Um, and unlike the goalie head where we'll need extensive feedback because mm-hmm. those are what we played. It's hard mm-hmm. to tell if it's good or not. And same thing with, with women's heads. Right. Um, going back a second, you know, you said you do a lot of social media with your, with your pros and social media in general. And I will say, you know, you guys at ECD crank out some of the best, if not the best, especially for the size of your, of your brand, social media content in the industry. So hats off to you for that. I mean, I look at it, I'm like, this is a small, like a smaller brand, a non-legacy brand. And it's kind of crazy how little the legacy brands are putting out when you really look at it and then here you are just cranking out quality videos. And I noticed you personally like to do a lot of video work. Is that, is that true? Yeah. I, um, when it comes to the highlights that you mm-hmm. see with the commercials, um, I shoot and edit all that stuff myself for the most part. Um, so that Mirage 2 commercial, I shot and edited that, um, 
same thing with the LTX commercial and the Infinity Women's Head commercial. I make all those commercials, which is a lot of fun. And then the highlights, I'm out there almost every single weekend uh, mm -hmm. filming games and, and stitching these highlights together. And I think that's going a long way for our brain. It's one thing for us to put videos out. And then it's another thing for like a kid to see me on the field. It's like, oh, there's Greg, ECD's here. Like we might mm -hmm. be on YouTube. That's pretty cool. You know, not yeah. that often are you going to see the owner of a company out there doing the work, connecting with fans, connecting with parents. Um, it's sort of irreplaceable. Yeah, and no, I will say, I mean, they're great videos, but then when you take into the the <laughs> take into the account that you're not by nature or by trade a uh, video guy, you're you're an accountant, you're a CPA, that makes it even more impressive, in my opinion. So yeah, no um, formal training um, at all, and I I sort I get competitive, right? I see all mm -hmm. these other people who do video full time. I'm like, man, I wish my stuff had this or that, or like you know, I could spend the amount of time. But then I remember like this is like a passion project i have a lot of other stuff to do and i can't spend a whole day making a highlight although i wish i could right well i mean they look great so i mean i <laughs> i look at your videos sometimes like your commercial i'm like man i would like to just get near that level you know <laughs> so it's you're doing you're doing just fine um so moving forward what's kind of you know lacrosse is in a weird spot right now with with the future being a little bit unknown what's your personal kind of guess as to what the spring looks like what are you hearing from from do you work uh, do you have college programs signed we do but not a lot okay. that's, not, okay. that's not a focus for us and college doesn't make up a very big market for us either on mm -hmm. marketing or on sales so we're not so worried about the college season personally mm -hmm. i really want the college season to happen right obviously. yeah um i we're keeping ears to the ground right now nothing is decided and i don't think anybody's gonna cancel anything until we get much right. closer so as it stands we're playing high school lacrosse they've been in maryland anyway mm -hmm. in and out of like high school football high school sports in general um if i had to give you my guess sitting here today and i could be wrong i would say high school sports is going to be limited mm -hmm. at the actual high school and that the club organizations will step in and run a spring season yeah i think depending on you know geography right like that's way more it's way easier to do that in Baltimore than mm -hmm. out in the Midwest. Right. Now, luckily certain States in the Midwest are still like club driven. So it's kind of just based on the state regulations and, you know, the health departments, but I, I agree. I was talking, we talked to Marty Ward last week um, and obviously big D two guy. And he's just preemptively scheduled a Florida only schedule mm. and just avoided any travel restrictions that way. And I think, a lot of coaches are going to get real creative this year uh, at every level, even at the high school level. I'm only, I have my league and then I have just local in the city games. It makes the parents feel better. The kids still have a good experience, but we're also going to be very uh, agile with our scheduling if we need to change something, but right, hopefully, see. hopefully it all works out. Now, do you have, um, you know, looking at it, some of your guys that you sponsor do play a little bit. I mean, Obviously, Connor Fields, Costabile just got signed, but you know your focus obviously isn't indoor lacrosse. But that being said, I'm sure that some of your products are very popular with the indoor game. Is the NLL and indoor in general something that you pay attention to? We unfortunately don't, and that goes back to that few things. Well, mm -hmm. we just don't have the team or the bandwidth mm -hmm. to do all that stuff, and so. 
I would love to be involved with the NLL. The cost was a little high for us. We were there for a couple of years with just mesh and it was a mm -hmm. blast. Then we did focus on it, right? I watched all the highlights, watched some games. We had like Dane Smith had a record setting season with our mesh, which was super cool. Um, but we just, I can't keep the pro content machine running 365. So to have an off season is actually really helpful for us. Cause then I can shift my focus to high school, which is what I love to do anyway. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so this past year, we had two bubbles and it really consolidated the seasons. What impact did that have on, you know, that definitely made it so that you had a much longer off season than in, in, than in the past? Well, you know, I didn't really mind it because generally I don't get to cover any summer club ball. Mm -hmm. And that's all I did from June until you know, every single weekend's been summer club uh, since June, since the PLL ended. So I've actually enjoyed it because it's not something I'm usually out there hitting the club slash recruiting slash showcase circuit. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's fun because these kids are, are so passionate about it and really good players. So, yeah, I agree with you having, I mean, with two pro outdoor leagues and the indoor league, I, I've never been a huge NLL guy. Like when I get to a game, I have a, I have a blast, but it's really hard for me to keep up with that during that particular part of the calendar. But now with this gap and the unknowns, it's kind of nice when everything was consolidated, you know, you had MLL just two weeks straight, you had PLL two weeks straight and it was really nice. And I think it kind of exposed a lot more people to the game like that. I don't think you could do that forever because you can't right. have just four weeks of pro lacrosse over two leagues, but yeah. it was a unique kind of Olympics feel to, to the game. So I think that was very unique, but well, I liked it personally, you know, I just yeah. sat, watched lacrosse all day. It was great. Yeah, sure. You're like, Oh yeah, that's our head. That's our head. Always on. And it was fun. Yeah. We had this season, somebody did a tally, but um, our head scored the most goals by a, significant margins that was pretty cool see that's something uh, the i don't think the average consumer would know have you guys said that publicly or is it just we kind of a put, fun internal fact yeah we never put anything out about mm -hmm. it but i mean zeb williams used our mm -hmm. head this season um and yeah i mean i think it was put out on twitter maybe didn't end up getting too much traction but mm -hmm. we won by a lot which that's, we're that's, see that's a really fun fact i'm going to make sure to highlight that one yeah all right well greg i really appreciate you giving us the rundown on the brand and that and the history and everything that's that's been going on and where, where are you going in the future yeah this was great always happy to talk to you guys